Um, so hopefully you're comfortable. If, if you're a leader, pastor, elder, somebody who just feels like they want to pray and you've got a mask and you want to pray with a different table today, feel free to get up um, and go pray with another table. Um, just, just, you know, remember where some, just remember if you've got a mask, wear it if you can. Um, all right. So first prayer point for this week or for today, let's pray that God pleases God. I'm sorry. Let's pray that God silences the noise and the voices causing fear in the community and in, in our lives first, and then in the community around us. So let's, uh, let's hit that for four minutes and then, um, pray with the people around your table and then I'll, uh, I'll let you guys know when we're done. Ready? You guys can start praying now. Father, thank you for um, 
being the biggest voice at the table. Lord, I just ask that your voice would be louder than the voice between our own ears first. And Lord, I just ask that your voice would be louder than uh, just that voice of fear that's out there that is um, causing so many problems. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come before you now, Lord. And I just thank you for um, the courage that you're going to fill us with and, and the Holy Spirit that you've already put in us. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to work in each of us in Jesus' name. Sorry, this was not planned, but as uh, Josh was sharing um, what the topic was with the Spirit, um, this, the passage the Spirit gave me was out of 1 John 4, and then I sat over there going, I, don't, I didn't really want to talk today, and um, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to. So I'm just going to read this. Um, guys, this is what we have to remember. It says, um, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in him abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Guys, do you get that? As he is now, seated at the right hand of God, we are. Because his spirit is in us and among us right now, and and. And his glory is shown in this place. As God's people gather, your glory is revealed. And so thank you, Lord, for that. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And so, Father, I just... I thank you that your perfect love makes it possible for us as followers of Christ to, to live without that fear. Even, even when we feel it coming, may we cling not to our lives, not to our comfort, not to our safety, not to our security, um, not even to each other. May we cling to Christ and him crucified because you demonstrated your great love for us than when I was a God-mocking atheist. You reached down and you said, no, you're not, you're mine. I have nothing to fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Good stuff. Hey, remember, like, this is, this is not um, necessarily a, a formal, crazy, regimented thing. Like, if you want to come up and pray, if the Holy Spirit's putting something on you, feel free to come up, grab the mic, just let me know. It's, it's yours, okay? And if you're not comfortable praying and you see me walking around, just grab me and I'll and I'll lift up whatever God's putting on you. So, um, okay, so the next point is, um, pray that the Lord gives us a hunger for the word and that it would grow in the hearts of his people. So that's you guys, that's us. So, um, you know, before you start praying, just take a minute and talk with your table and see if you can brainstorm on some ideas on how you can do that, how it would be easier for you to get into the word, hunger for the word, and then ask the Lord to help you guys um, do that this week. All right, a couple minutes, ready, go.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hunger that you're already placing in us. Just through this this time, for us showing up a little bit early to pray, Lord, thank you for the hunger that you're putting in the people that I've seen and I'm talking to through the week. Father, I ask that you would continue to grow that, that you would draw us towards you, that you would draw us towards um, your word, your truth, Lord, towards your passions and your love, Lord, and I just ask that, that that would grow in each of us, and Lord, I just ask that that would grow in the community at large, through the Christian community at large, that we would get the opportunity to talk to other Christians, and um, that it would be like a virus that catches in this country, in this nation, in this city, in this town, in this state, Lord, that you, in your word, would be what people are catching. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, the next one is um, we're going to pray that God would pour out his spirit on, on his people so that the world would see a light in the darkness. Um, does anyone feel led to pray for that? Hello? No? Dacus, you want to pray? I will pass it over to Hannah. I love microphones. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this morning that we get to gather here. Spirit of the living God, I pray that we would just invite you into this space. Lord, thank you for everyone's health right now that we were able to come here today. Pray, Father, that we have a humbled heart of expectation to see you move right now. Lord, I pray that you would be in this place, in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, and that you would just humble us through your word today, through the music that we're going to get to enjoy, through the continued prayer. We humbly ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Father, I thank you for... Um for your spirit. Lord, I just ask that you would pour out your spirit now on this place, in this room. Lord, that you would fill people with just a bubbling joy for you and for everything and everyone around them. Lord, I just ask that you would um, manifest your spirit through your gifts and um, that you would give people just supernatural abilities to um, see right from wrong, truth from fear. In Jesus' name. Psalm 27, starting verse 7, says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Lord, I pray as your people turn their hearts to you that you would reward us with more of you, that you would pour out your sport, spirit uh, to overflowing in our hearts and in our families, in our homes, uh, in our neighborhoods, in our church here, Lord, in our church body, so much so that we, we walk differently, we talk differently, we look different, and that's because we've been hanging out with you. Lord, I pray that you would do that in uh, um, 
not just a spiritual way, but a physical way that people would, as we walk through a room, people go, that guy or that woman has been with God. And Lord, I pray that we would um, not be afraid to tell people why they should be hungry for you. Uh, because you are a rewarder for those that seek you. And Lord, I just pray that you would, um, not in a selfish way, but Lord, that's why you created us so we can worship you and love you and be loved by you. So Lord, I pray that as we seek your face today, uh, that you would reward us with more of you. Amen. Father, right now I just ask for... Um, a hunger, a hunger for the for the people in this room to know you in a new, in an amazing way. Lord, I pray that that would go out into the community and that would spread, and that the community would have a heart to know you, that they would have a desire to figure out what it is that they're missing in their lives. Lord, I just ask for just revival in that sense of of people wanting to know you, wanting to know right from wrong, and wanting to have you as a leader in their life in jesus name okay so um take another minute and talk about um at your table how how we well first of all we're going to pray that um that you individually you this week could take a step in faith and work towards spreading the gospel and expanding the kingdom of god and what does that look like and how God can do that through you? So take a minute, talk about it, brainstorm some ideas on, on how you can as an individual in this crazy time where we can't actually talk to people face to face anymore, you know, really where we have to make it a point. We actually have to step out somehow, get uncomfortable and, and talk to somebody or plant seeds to be a worker of the gospel this week. How can you do that? Because most of us are stuck, like, at home, working from home. We go to the grocery store. Nobody wants to, like, you, you don't even make eye contact with anybody. You have your mask on. I wear my sunglasses. I look like the Unabomber when I walk into a grocery store now. Like, it's bad. I, don't, I feel bad for security. Like, how do they, how do they, I mean, you police officers, you guys got your work cut out for you. But how can you, this week, take a step out in faith and work towards spreading the gospel? Take a minute, talk about that around your table, and pray about executing it, that God would give you the power, the authority, and the courage to do that.
Okay, so did anybody come up with any good ideas? Does somebody want to talk about something? Mention something that would be good for everybody? Daniel. Uh, okay, so the way that we started prayer today and just talking about how fear is loud and how even what you were just saying, walking into a building with a mask on and how that kind of just spreads fear, just the way that we are walking around and, and experiencing life right now. Uh, this verse came to mind. Romans ten fourteen says, How then uh, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we were talking about what are things that we can do to be sent? How can we send people to be kind of bearers of good news just as kind of we we are experiencing the fear that just everywhere we go, it kind of carries itself. How could we carry good news to people that haven't heard it? And so uh, we came up with the idea of calling a couple people this week that praying about who God would put on our heart uh, and then calling them and asking, how can we pray for them? But then also saying, hey, and then my son said, we could even try and give them, pray about a, a verse that we could give them to try and encourage them. But then also ask, hey, would you, if this was encouraging to you, could you all, and then Addison said, well, maybe we could ask them uh, to call two people also and say, hey, how can I be praying for you? So we would be sending people to be bringing hope to people in a way that's real and tangible. So I thought that was a good idea. Hello? Ooh, it works. Okay. Um, I think for me, and what's big on my heart is kind of decent, like, having the tough conversations like that we don't have in church usually it's really hard like and I'll, I don't mean to put a damper on it but I had a really bad porn addiction for a lot of my life and it's just like you can't like talk about that in church yet and like be available to do that in church in a lot of cases here I feel comfortable talking about it but that's not every single church and if we can start having difficult conversations not just that but other conversations and normalize that people aren't going to feel judged like, secret sin is such a, like, it puts a lot of weight on you, and you got to give that over to God. But as soon as you give that over to God, you should be able to give that over to other believers and other people, too. Amen. You know, I think for me, the hardest thing is it's always, I want to be a good example, and I'm not really a mouthpiece. I don't like to get up in front of people and talk. Um, yeah. God's really teaching me something um, in my own life. But like the other day, I went and picked up groceries for, for Jolene sent me to the, to the fries thing where you can pick up your own groceries. And the guy came out and I'm talking to him and I'm, I'm that guy. Like I can't just stay in my car and let someone else load the groceries. I got to go help. So I'm, so I'm helping him and I'm asking him how his day was. And he was telling me uh, that it was terrible. And then um, he quoted some line from Buddha and I was like, and it, it was all about like not making your about making your day better or something. And I was like, I was so like, I mean, and he just he just spat it off that fast. And I was like, Lord, just give me something to refute that right now, just to encourage him like through Jesus. And it was like, you know, um, my brain froze. Has anybody else ever experienced that? Like, and then the whole way home, I'm praying like, Lord, what happened? Like, why did I freeze up? Like. How come I couldn't just say something, you know, just something about you and how encouraging you are in my life? You know, after that, it was like, 
I started, I really started kind of reading some, some verses and I Googled some verses that were just easy encouragement verses that I could, um, you know, memorize. I don't memorize anything. Like I, I don't even, I mean, it took me 20, I've been married 19. It's taken me like 20 years to learn Jolene's birthday. That's how bad I am at memorizing things. So, um, not really. I really do know her birthday. It's a little joke, but yeah. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. I'm frozen. Uh, no, really, July 29th. It's coming up, so just so you guys know. Um, nice. But really, like, just memorizing a couple of little verses. You don't even have to know where they are in the Bible, but if you know the words, like, just little, little encouraging things that, you know, ways that God has encouraged you in your life so that you have the opportunity to talk to people about him. That's, that's important. You know, it's Buddha, some, some poor guy at the grocery store talking about Buddha was like, man, you're so lost. There's no hope in that. There's no hope in that. You're, you know, he's just working through the day. And he's just grinding. And he has no joy because he's not finding any joy in Jesus. That's where we need to find our joy. And we need to take pride. We need to take courage. We need to be excited about sharing the gospel with people, just in little ways. Some of you guys in here are soul winners, and that's awesome. The majority of us in here are probably soul encouragers, okay? Go out and encourage people to figure out who Jesus is. And I want to pray to that end. Father, Lord, I just ask you would give us all the boldness to talk about you and to encourage people in you. And Lord, I just ask that you would... Um, build up those soul winners in here that they would go out and that they would change the world for you Lord I just ask that the rest of us that you would give us a few verses a few things a few points that would be easy just to encourage people with just pointers in our own life that we can point people towards you and that when you present those opportunities that you would give us the courage and the boldness to do that Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning when I was having my quiet time with God, he took me to Ephesians 6. And verses 19 and 20, it's Paul praying. And pray on my behalf with utterance, may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may boldly speak as I ought to speak. And we were just talking about that at our table, how we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us the conversations to have, but then we have to open our mouths and be obedient and speak boldly. And I was just showing them one of the things that I thought, how can I boldly share Jesus' name when I'm out and about when I'm absolutely required to wear a mask? I'll hold it up. It says, Jesus saves. I've had comments on this, I've had people looking at me, and I thought, I don't have to say a word, this says it all. But I'm praying that it will bring conversations for him. Thanks. Hey, this week, I'm gonna encourage you guys again, pray through the prayer pointers. Um, there's people in here that work really hard to put these together for you guys, just so that we as a church can be all focused and praying towards the same thing. And then next Sunday, 
Um, Psalm 150 is on here. Pray with your family. It's so cool. I went through Psalm 150 this morning with Jolene, and gosh, it was just, it was wonderful. So just take time this week. Go through that. I would encourage you, if you're not doing it now, just try to spend five minutes, five minutes, uninterrupted time, five minutes a day, and you will be so blessed by it. I promise. So, Josh, I just have a quick question. Where is that microphone going to be? After we're done. Up here? Okay. So just want to continue to encourage you guys that as even we start singing, um, do exactly what you just saw. Just get up, read God's word, pray. We would love for you to interrupt um, and hear what God's got in your heart. Higher than the mountains that I face. Stronger than the power. Excuse me. The grave, constant in the trial and the change, this one thing remains, one thing remains, your love never fails, it never gives up never runs out on me your love never fails it never gives up it never runs out on me your love never fails it never gives up it never runs out on me your
how I failed you. No matter if I've missed an opportunity to share who you are to somebody, if I've sinned, your love never fails. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you that I am a redeemed man. All right, turn with me to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. And I'm going to be reading out of NLT. Because I'm a construction worker and ESV and NASV is really hard to read, so I understood this one. Therefore, verse 1, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excess of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So check this out. Life is like a highway, okay? It's like a highway. We're all driving down this highway. We're behind the bus. Some of us are in buses. Some of us, like Pastor Doug, are in like Ferraris. We're just cruising, okay? There's a lot of off-ramps. There's only a few on-ramps, okay? You get to choose to get on this highway. And there's a whole lot of billboards as you're cruising down it that are trying to get your they're trying to get your attention. You know what? I, I do a ton of driving for work and I'm always on I-10, always on I-17. And I see these, frankly, gross billboards. And I'm like, Ugh. like I, you know, I'm trying not to wreck my car because I'm physically turning away from them. And you know what? The enemy is putting that in all of our lives. He wants to distract you. He wants you to get on the off-ramp of interstate Jesus Christ, okay? Stay on the interstate. Keep driving towards him, because that path is the one that you want to stay on. Make that decision today. Today's a good day. If you're already not on that highway, or if you're on the on-ramp or the off-ramp, be one of those crazy drivers and go over the medium that the police officers hate here. Like, get back on the highway, do what it takes. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, 
then I got a phone call checking up on what's going on and and um, without thinking, just speaking to my friend on the phone, I said, you know, we really don't know what God has planned, but we're just trusting in Jesus. And the man in front of me, um, at that moment, he bent over, uh, and within a minute or two, he became very belligerent. And the reason I'm sharing this now, first, this passage, which says, um, Behold, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And I want to encourage someone out here today, maybe many of you. We pray that people would not have a spirit of fear, but we can pray that for ourselves too. Because when we speak the name of Jesus, it stirs up the spirit within others who are against Christ. And he began to speak foul language and he claimed he'd been there for a long time, an hour and a half, whatever. But as he exited, he flipped the bird and said, you know, expletives about Jesus. And um, I'm happy to say, I've, I mean, not happy to say I've had that happen before, but I'm happy to say this time I wasn't afraid. But I have been afraid before. Um, and we are in a very interesting time, just like, Esther, whose Hebrew name was Hadassah, for such a time as this that we studied just a few weeks ago. And I want to encourage each of us to be bold and yet aware that people could come against us because we are bold in sharing the gospel. And that doesn't mean that we don't do it. We have to test that prompting from God, from his spirit. And if he says share, then share. I wasn't even sharing with the guy. But anyway, the point is, there are people around us who are going to come against the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid. to my boyfriend on the phone and one of the nurses overheard and she asked if we if she would pray for me and with my boyfriend and that doesn't happen a lot especially with doctors and um, we just had a full-on conversation and it made me realize that we need to be more open with sharing and opening up and not just the good things that God is doing but also the bad things and that we have to just pray over one another no matter what is going on and no matter the chaos that's going on around us and
So good morning. I just want to say one thing before RJ starts here. This is my uh, his walk-up music, I guess. But those of you who don't know, I'm a police officer, and we're required to wear masks everywhere all the time. And as I'm out there talking about these different things, I was engaged in a situation where we were dealing with a family fight. A girl was beat up pretty badly. First thing she says is, I hate cops. I'm not talking to you. And I'm watching my guy do the thing. And this black house over here, this black dude, this white girl, this Asian family, it's like all watching what we're going to do. And I told them, should Christ them? I said, well, the reason I do my job is because Jesus Christ told me to do it. So I'm here anyway. So why don't we just go ahead and talk about that? You, want to talk, you don't want to talk to cops. Why don't you just talk to Jesus? And she like looked at me and this other girl started saying things. And next thing you know, half hour later, she says, can I get your business card? I want to put this on Facebook. <laughs> I want to insta tweet it or whatever you can do. I don't know. But like snap tweet so it was really cool because you get an opportunity to, to be who you are and she never looked at the person she she only saw the badge she only saw that representation of things that she hated and when you give love perfect love casts out all fear and it was the love that she responded to so on three business cards down uh not on social media but if you see something from glendale we're hoping that that continues So the young lady that just spoke, I need to ask for prayer. These last few days have been really trying on my family. Friday, they put my aunt in the hospital. She's got a tumor and it's moved her brain. Saturday, they put her son in the hospital. He's got diabetes bad and he's fell and broke his hip. <laughs> 15 minutes ago, I got a phone call. My mom's asking for prayer. They're having to make some real tough family decisions right now. And they just ask, take 15 seconds. Lift them all up in prayer. I feel sorry for them. Lord, uh, I got the privilege to pray with a couple guys this week uh, that you are a God, we're so thankful you are a God that hears, uh, but not just hears, but you speak. And um, you are a God that's alive. And Lord, you you hear us when we cry. And Lord, I just want to lift up this family who has been taking hit after hit, uh, and they are crying. They are saying, God, uh, uh, we need you. And Lord, we want to come alongside them and lift up their family in Jesus' mighty name that uh, we would see your comfort, your peace, that passes understanding, fall all over this family and all over this man who is courageous enough to ask for help, uh, when others would shy away, Lord, I thank you for uh, steps of faith like this yes. that encourage me uh, and encourage our body that um, you are a God that wants us to ask for help because you are our helper. Mm -hmm. you, you live inside us. You walk with us. And Lord, I just pray that you would 
um, that we would see this tumor miraculously disappear. Mm. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that you have given us a testimony for your glory, for your kingdom growth, uh, that we would see that happen right now, that we would get a text message that that things are changing, that you are moving, uh, because you are mighty and you are capable of that. Glory, Lord. Lord, so that we can give you the glory. Amen. And uh, uh, Lord, for those tough decisions that uh, we don't even know what they are, uh, but as they have to make them, uh, they're not alone. I, every, there are so many families right now that I know they're not alone, that are making difficult decisions. Uh, Lord, I, well, you, you promised. When we ask for wisdom, you've promised to give it. So Lord, we ask in abundance and in an overflow that you would give us wisdom. And again, that the stories that we are watching would continue to tell your story. That you are or that you are a God that not only walks with us, uh, but you walk to talk through us and tell your story of grace and love through us. So Lord, I, I pray that in all of these scenarios, in all these situations that he's asking for, uh, just like we, had, we heard the young girl, and I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but uh, it's in the moments that we, uh, we get to uh, talk on the phone and we speak your name and either people are... <laughs> they hear your name and they, the demons flee mm. or uh, they hear your name and they say can I pray with you uh, because that's when fear is running or, or barking and, and loud that we get to speak your name and you your voice your strength your power gets to shine like a light mm-hmm. you do fight for us you are our front and your guard God pour all over all of these situations Jesus in your mighty name do your work in your people for your kingdom and your glory. Yes, Father. We ask these names, the things in Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. 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 Thanks. I think the Lord knew we needed this song this morning. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in I'm RJ And when I look at the space between What I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be another in the fire standing next to me there is another in the waters holding back the seas and should i ever need reminding of how i've been set free there is a cross that bears the burden another died for me another in the fire. All my dead left her dead beneath the waters. I'm no longer saved to my sin anymore. Should I fall in the space between what remains of me Reckoning. Either way, I will bow to the things of this world. 
continue to pray for just a few moments. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as a family to share your word, to share our lives, to be vulnerable to the people who appreciate us, who are our friends, that they too may be vulnerable in response and that we together may grow stronger as a family. May our lives be pleasing to you. May they be distinctly different. So whether it be in an emergency room or an urgent care, that they realize we've got something different. Not so people are very surprised when we don't, when we don't follow them, but they can see us so distinctly different in everything we do, in our everyday lives, in our work, in our school, eating a meal over dinner, that may our lives reflect you and bring your honor and glory. In your son's name we pray, amen. So last week, Doug finished with uh, James 4.17. Um, happens to be one of my most favorite verses. It's not a very uplifting verse. But it was a verse to me when it was revealed many years ago 
that I am truly a sinner and I'm not good enough. If you read all of James's one book, to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And it goes right in next to riches, money. So if you take all of that together, it starts to fit. What are we doing with our money? What are we doing with our riches and our treasures? Depending upon the Bible, and we heard New Living Translation, um, I use two. I use NASB and I use ESV. Your heading above chapter five probably says one of two things. It's a warning to the rich. And truly take it as a warning to the misuses of riches. And I encourage you to really think through that. The young people, you know, you're starting college, starting lives, starting your first jobs maybe. It's all about money. It's all about what you can do. It's all about your dreams. Dreams aren't made up in money. Dreams are made in relationships. So I want to ask you, here's the first question of the day. Five seconds, and I'm going to ask a few of you to respond. Name somebody who's rich. Somebody want to name? Elon Musk. I'm sorry. Jeff takes them. Tony. He's on to something. I'm talking a little more in the financial space. We all have a dream of what somebody rich is. George. Yep. Warren Buffett. Trump. They've all got more money than they know what to do with. Is this passage then only for them? And I'm going to submit no. We are all rich. Riches is a very um, it's subjective term. What I think is rich, which you may not. Um, I would submit most of us in here are rich. You've got a few bucks in your pocket. Even if you're young in school, working a few jobs, you're rich. Can we show the Facebook slide? Or the... What would these people say? I pulled this off of One Mission's Facebook. If they saw into your life today, would they believe you're rich? They would. And I only harp on this for just a few minutes, folks, because this passage when I read it, and I will tell you I read it long before Doug ever asked me to, to share on it, was very revealing, all the way back to 1 Peter. This is something God's been working on my heart for over a year. I have always been about earning. I'm a financial guy. I'm the financial deacon. For those that don't mean I'm RJ Key, I'm the financial deacon here at the church. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot that part. A little distracted this morning. Um, but I've always done numbers and data. That's just what I do. So the question becomes, are you putting your riches or your job over your relationships? That relationship could be with your wife, could be with your family. It could be with somebody else in here. Is that where your focus is? Or is it on your profits? 
Everybody, if you would, please turn to James 5. We're going to read through the first five verses. Starts, verse 1. Come now, you reach, you're rich. Weep and hollow for the miseries that are coming upon you. We're going to finish with that one. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have are corroded, and their corrosion will be evidenced against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborer who have mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your heart in the day of slaughter. Remember, in one of the versions, it's a warning. It's giving us an opportunity to hear this and see something different. Make a change in your life. James isn't condemning the people for being rich, but for misusing their riches, misusing their money for their own self-indulgence. These were the people who also confessed Christian faith. It's this room. It's me. What are we doing then with our riches? The definition of rich. I looked it up. The very first one that popped up when I Googled it was this one. Rich is having wealth or great possessions, abundantly supplied with resources, means, or funds, being wealthy. Abundantly supplied. Where do you think that came from? Did you do your own supplying? Probably not. Colossians 1.16 says, for, all, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He created you. He created me. He gave me my brains. He gave me my ability to see things in numbers other people's don't. He provided me my opportunities. First Chronicles says, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. That was David's prayer. He realized that what he had and what he was provided came from our God from our Lord and Savior. So we're going to talk about two things today. One is, where are your treasures? And what have you done with those treasures? So the first one, let's look at verses 2 and 3. You should already be in James. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and the corrosion will be evidenced against you. And you will eat your flesh like fire, and you have laid up your treasures in last days. It doesn't really tell us what we should be focused on, but it just is another warning. When I read the passage, the first thing that I thought about was James 6. In verses 19 and 20, it says, Do not lay up your treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where there neither moth nor rust destroys, and where, where thieves do not break in and steal. 
I will admit, for many years, I struggled with that verse. I'm very much one, two, three, follow the rule type process. But how, I always struggled with how do you lay up your treasures in heaven? So what does that look like? How do you, where are those treasures that you're supposed to be laying up in heaven? One is invest in people. We all invest in our families. What about the person sitting at this table or that table? Are you investing in other people's lives? I will admit, I completely rewrote this whole section last, yesterday afternoon. I submitted to Doug, I'm done, I'm good, I've been praying over it, I'm where I'm at. I've struggled from the day I wrote this till now that this needed to be about relationships. This isn't about money. This is about people. I wrote this back in early March. This was when our world was, I would call it, sane. Before anybody got quarantined, before anybody wore a mask. I wrote this on a trip. I do my best when I can get away and not have the world interfere with God. It, like I said, so I wrote this five months ago, four months ago. And at that time, this whole section was about discipleship, about building into other people's lives to bring them to Christ. I'm now going to focus a little bit different. We're going to let Doug talk about discipleship when he's up here. I'm going to talk about relationships. Yes, that relationship may be a discipleship, and it's okay, and it should be about discipleship. You should be walking together. It shouldn't just be bringing somebody new to Christ. It's investing in somebody's life. So last summer, for those that know us, we go up to Lake Powell quite a bit. One of our trips, we coined the phrase, better together. It started out as a hokey, kind of misleading thing. Because when you're on a houseboat, you have to tighten ropes. And when you're there in June, you tighten a lot of ropes, a lot of days. And you can't do that alone. And, and I don't even remember who said it, but somebody after we finished tightening ropes one day says, yep, we're better together. Cindy and I came home after the second trip and there was a devotional called Better Together. It's the reason we picked it. It was off what we just did. So what you're about to hear in this section that I redid last yesterday afternoon is from a devotional called Better Together. And it says this. Well, I'm going to start here. Back up one spot. When, when asked Jesus, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God, love others. Love your neighbors. It wasn't money. It's always been about relationships. From the beginning of creation, being alone wasn't the plan. God gave Adam a helper, gave her Eve. He's always been about fellowship among humans. As Christ followers, our friendship, our community is to have meaningful relationships. 
where we do life together, sharing, encouraging, forgiving, chasing faithfulness, chasing God. What this happened up here, I needed prayer. Do you see the guys that came up? That's what you're after. That's your community. That community, that friendship, is where we can be our true selves. It's not when we walk through the doors here at church. Somebody says, how you're doing? I'm good. I'm okay. I was work last week. Yeah, it was okay. And we move on. We don't talk about it. We don't divulge our real self, what's really on our chest, what's really going on in our lives. A true friendship or a true community will share those greatest accomplishments. We'll also share their hurt. We'll share our failures. And I'm here to tell you, I don't do that very well. Not how I was raised. We deal with it within our family. But when I got a phone call 15 minutes before I'm supposed to come up here, I need to share. This is a place God's still working on me very strong. In pursuing God and growing, we're trying to become the best part of ourselves, the best version of ourselves for his glory. Not for RJ, not for Dave, not for Doug, for his glory. It's about him. It's about that relationship. The Bible is clear on many things, is that we are to love others. There are 59 verses in the New Testament that tell us how to treat others. I'm going to share a few. And like I said, I apologize, guys, because I rewrote this. I would love to have all of this up behind me. Um, if you want it, let me know. I'm more than happy to share it. It's serving one another. It's being Jesus to somebody. Galatians 5.13. It's honoring one another. Philippians 2.3. Encouraging one another, Hebrews 3.13. Praying for one another, James 5.16. Instructing one another, Romans 15.14. And forgiving one another, Ephesians 4.32. We can't do one another if we're living in solitude. I'm not talking about quarantine. I'm not talking about COVID. In fact, I'm telling you, there are people today that feel they need to be quarantined. FaceTime them. This doesn't get them out of it. This isn't what I'm talking about. This is talking about people like me. I don't share. The person I share with is sitting back there. That's where my life is. She's my, not only my wife, she's my best friend. I don't share much outside of life, except with her. It's something God's been pouring on my heart for over a year. When we choose to alienate ourselves from others, we miss out on the richness. There's that rich. That deep friendships can offer and others to bring to ourselves. Del Carnegie says this, you can make more friends in two months, but by becoming interested in other people 
than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. You have to reach out to people. You have to invest. Doing life together can look like this. I'm, there's 15 items here. I'm gonna share just a few. Sharing a meal. We used to do dinner groups. Studying and discussing the Bible. There's your discipleship. Working out together, hiking together, walking together, sharing a cup of coffee. Doesn't have to be physical activity. Some of us have certain limitations in this space. Offering a needed hug. Traveling or vacationing together. Celebrating, celebrating a holiday, celebrating a special occasion. Maybe it's a 60th anniversary. Maybe it's a graduation, just a birthday. It's showing up in urgent care or in ER, or when somebody's in the hospital. It's sitting with them, praying with them. Maybe it's playing cribbage with them. It's showing true friendship. When we finally get to the place of sharing the struggle with a friend, we are often met with compassion and understanding. They're not there to judge us. We may think and point back at me, they're gonna be judgmental. But you'll find, as was demonstrated today, compassion and understanding. One thing you'll find as you become more vulnerable, people become more vulnerable to you. It works both ways. So we all have stuff we have to get off our chest. And if you're sitting there saying, eh, no, I don't, start with that one. We all have some sort of issue, every single one of us. So who is that person you're gonna to turn to? I know a lot of people turn to Doug. Have you ever thought about this? Who does Doug turn to? Of course he has Carrie and the girls, but who else does he turn to? You know, if we invest in other people's lives, it shouldn't always just be for Doug. They should be able to reach out to Jeff, myself, Jeff Abney, who I was texting with this morning. It doesn't even have to be a leader here. But when you invest in other people, they'll invest in you. And when you have a struggle, they will be there to share that struggle with you. So how do we open up to our lives? And I'll be very honest, this is for me hard to do. People have to be trustworthy. They have to be grounded in the world, word of God. And they have to, we have to know they're gonna keep our confidence. Just because I share something, if I'm struggling at work, doesn't mean I want it shared with the rest of the world, but I need to share it with somebody so they can pray for me. It's not just about me. It's not just about Cindy. It's about doing life together. Transparency is a hugely different thing, and it's reserved for a select few. I don't expect this whole group to be completely intimate with everybody else in the group. But I would encourage you to have more than one best friend. 
have two or three? What if they're on vacation? You can't get a hold of them. And you need to talk. You need somebody to pray over you. Invest in multiple people. When we struggle with people, and especially those we're close to, we're willing to share much more details and more intimacy about what's going on in our lives. And so I encourage you to do that. Don't just think, ah, I've got a friend. Have multiple friends. Maybe somebody in here doesn't have a friend. So then who do they call? Start that relationship with that person as you look around this room. Okay. So now back to my regular program. So a um, little more back to the money side of things. So second thing you can do besides investing in a relationship. If you happen to be fortunate enough to have funds, have money, sponsor somebody going on a mission. If you don't let this church know, if you don't let the leadership know, hey, I'm doing X, or I have an interest in doing Y, or I'm interested in supporting this group, talk with Doug. He and I had this conversation last week about getting people up here to let them share. You've got to start there. And you'll find people will step up and help you. The church will help you, but you've got to step out. Hebrews 13, 16 says, do not neglect to do the good, to share what you have, for sacrifices are pleasing to God. The other one is go on a mission. This takes both sometimes time and money. You know, there's, we were sending groups down to Mexico before this whole corona thing on a fairly regular basis. I would submit to you, go on that trip. It's a, not only is it eye-opening for what we have and what they don't and what little they live off of, but your relationship with God will change. It's very simple when you get down there. You pray in the morning, you have a meal, you do God's work, you reflect on what God showed you that day, you share another meal, you have some fellowship time and you go to bed. By the way, your cell phones don't work very well. It keeps you from being distracted. No different from me liking to go to the lake, stuff like that. My cell phones don't work very well up there. I have to go make it work. It typically doesn't work where I'm at. Philippians 2 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but for the interest of others. Consider a mission trip. Consider what that looks like. You know, we changed the church budget. We don't talk a whole lot about money here, but to do more mission work this year. Little did we know we were going to be shut down because of COVID and Corona, whatever you want to call that. But we're going to stick with it as we move into 2021. That's not going to change. So what have you done for your, with your treasures or your riches? So we all know the parable of the three talents. When the first servant gets one, takes it back to his master, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, give it here. You didn't do anything with it. The three and five guys get 
takes it back, one gets six, one gets 10, gives it back to the master. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I will set on you over much more. I want to share with you a different version of this that I read, and then I tweaked it a little bit about my life. Like I said, God's been pushing on me for about a year. So young adults, this group over here, this first section's for you. So as a young adult, maybe you're in college, just in high school, late college, into the thing. I, my life was very simple. I did what was pleasing to me. I worked during the summer. I picked up side jobs during the year. It paid my bills. It allowed me to go on dates, allowed me to go to the bar. No God. It was all about me. Ecclesiastics 11 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but, but know that all of these things God will bring to your judgment. Every action you take, every action I took back in my teens and 20s, I am still accountable for today. I will have to give a response to each of those, and so will you. So think about it. Think about that decision you're making and what that's going to mean to you. Second version, probably plays to most people here. Not maybe Dave, Sharon, not too longer for me. But we're middle-aged with kids. We're attending the church. We're investing in the church. We're investing in things God. We're at a point in our lives where our income is better. We're tithing, we're plugged in. We're sponsoring people going on a mission. We're going on mission trips ourselves. Life is good. James 4, 15 says, instead we ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this or that. And it's real easy when things are going well. God's got this. Just give God the glory, we'll keep moving. You know, for years, and in those who have worked with Cindy and I, as we talk through different monies, I talk about investing early for the long term. Start out small, start with something. Talk to my kids. They hate it sometimes because I have them investing already in their early 20s. But start now because that's going to grow later. So now as we get to the third group of people. So I titled this one, um, Folks are getting ready to retire, or maybe you retire, because this is my life. So those that don't know and why I keep talking like this, um, I'm retiring from work at the end of the year. So, yeah, thank you. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord wills. Yeah. Let's hope he does. I am tired of him. Um, but, you know, so I'll tell you. So, you know, I've worked long and hard. Cindy and I have been saving for retirement. We had a plan. Not always God's plan, but we had a plan. And we kept with it. Um, but as we thought through retirement, and this is where God hit me with First Peter last June. Why do I continue to work for man when I should be working for God? What in my life was showing that I was working for God? And as we had always planned for retirement, we wanted to travel. We wanted to see the states. I want to go to New Zealand. My grandmother's from Australia. I want to go to Australia and see where she grew up. And all of that's fine. 
you know, God provided what I have today abundantly. But what's important is I not forget what I was here for. I'm here to do his work. That work doesn't stop just because I retire. I retire from earning a paycheck. I don't get to retire my relationship with God. That continues. Tony, perfect example, 80, old, 89 years old. He's still about God. Your life should be too. Like I said, what was missing in that description? Sponsoring missions, going on missions. It just quit. Your life doesn't get to quit. So out of those three, good and faithful servant only came out of the second one if you don't do something about the third one. We all want to hear, thank you. You've been a good and faithful servant. That's what Doug prayed over me before I came up here. I just, as it, all of this is running through my head with everything else. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear that our lives were glorifying to God. We want to hear that we've done well. We all like that success. Romans 1.21 says, For they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him, that they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were dark, darkened. Became futile means they weren't. So as a middle-aged, double income maybe, two kids, whatever, you're working, you weren't futile in your thinking. You were doing what was right. That was that second point that I did. Doesn't mean I get to quit. Hebrews 6, verses 10 to 12. For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints, as you still do. We don't quit. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnest, earnestness, to have the same full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who have faith and patience and inherit the promises. You want to sit down with me? All of this stuff, every one of these verses I've shared today is in my journal. I didn't just set this up when I was started this back in December or even all the way back in June of last year, knowing that I was going to do this. This is what I have been living and where God's working on my heart. So what you do matters, regardless of your age, whether it's very young, or old. Remember, the day is coming when we all are going to have to give an accountant for our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So remember, if you have your Bibles open, to James 5 still, the very first verse says, miseries that are coming. The heading on this one said, warning. Don't change how we live. Don't change what we do in our lives. Miseries are coming, and we will have to give an account for our lives. I'm going to read, if you guys all want to turn with me, to Luke 16. 
I'm going to ask the music team as I read this to come up. Um, once I'm done, they'll sing a song. Once the song over, I'll come back up. We're going to finish with verse 4 in James as we go into communion. But for now, as we read this final set of verses, it's verses 19 to 31. It'll hopefully just kind of sum up everything that we just talked about. The title of it is The Rich Man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades. Being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and seeing Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may be able to cross from there to us. And he said, this is the rich man. Then I beg you, Father, to send them to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may warn them. Least they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And 
Flip your Bibles, if you would, back to James. We're going to go into communion with verse 4. And it says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who milled your fields, which, kept your, kept back by, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord. It's talking about our debts this debt what about this debt our debts were paid this way by Jesus when he was nailed to the cross those debts were done Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14 says and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. Together with him, having forgone, forgiven, sorry, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all of its legal demands. Then he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. God paid for our debts, for our sins. As the couples want to come up and join the elements, we'll pass them out to the tables. But I'll just pause and think for that for a second. James 4 is talking about debts. The ultimate debt was already paid. We take communion as a time to remember, to remember what Jesus did. It was the last supper that was taken in the upper room that he did with the apostles. As we take communion today, take a few moments and ask for forgiveness. You know those sins. 
hate to tell you, he knows those sins, but he wants us to confess those sins before him. So take a moment. So Jesus said to the apostles as they were in the upper room, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Take the bread. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, for the forgiveness of our debt. I tell you, I will not drink again from this fruit until the vine, the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Take the juice. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the son you sent, who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, who paid our debt. He did what nobody else could do. We can't do it for ourselves, so you sent your son to do it for us, so that we may have salvation and eternity with you forever. May we always remember the sacrifice that you made for each one of us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You guys are going to want to stand for this song.
in your presence. Seen again, it's your heart we're searching for. We want you and nothing more. Let your glory fill this place. We're alive in your presence. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to. What you want to, God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to, do what you want to. Lord, do what you want to. We are standing in your light, and our hearts are open wide. Let us see more than before. Lord, come have your way here. We surrender all to you. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. God, we love to see you move. Do what you want to. Do what you want to. Yeah. Have your way. in our lives, in this place, have your way, all-consuming fire fall, fall on us, all-consuming fire fall, fall on us, all-consuming fire fall. you want to do what you want to god we love to see you move do what you want to do what you want to we surrender all to you do what you want to do what you want to god we love to see you move do what you want to do what you want to so a few announcements be in prayer for the 30 plus couples attending our weekend this next weekend's marriage retreat um craig and aaron smalley will be there so pray for them who will be teaching us um we are gathered here at swim for the next few weeks but just be in prayer for what god has in plan for us the next few weeks or after that and if you have any ideas please let us know um, we want everyone to be connected to the body of Christ. So if you have questions about connecting with Christ or how to get connected here at Cornerstone, talk to somebody about it today. We want to make sure that everyone's connected. Uh, last announcement, we do not have to tear down these tables and chairs. Amen. Woo! We can leave them here this week. In our sending passage, Hebrews 11.26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt he was looking to reward. Amen, guys. You guys all have a great week.